So the other day, I saw this book on a shelf called Real World Parents, Christian Parenting for Families Living in the Real World. It looked like a typical book I would ignore, filled with at best unhelpful ways of thinking about faith, but the title really caught my eye for some reason, and I decided to open it up. The book starts with a story about how the author's parents had good intentions and some specific practices that would help them learn right and wrong, learn a little bit about being people of faith, and learn how to be a family together. But in their family, these practices never really took off. He said they always felt unnatural and forced. And though these specific things didn't really work for their family, the author lifts up the good things that were happening, seemingly by accident, as part of the family that taught him and his brothers good things while they were growing up. There was still a family culture of sorts that helped him and his brothers to learn and grow. And I thought, okay, this might not be so bad. Unfortunately, as I expected, the book went off the rails pretty quick, and I can't say I would suggest it. But my immediate thought when I saw the book on the shelf was, the real world, huh? Because where else would you live? Welcome to Sandbox Cooperative, episode 61. Welcome to the Sandbox. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. Thanks for joining us in the Sandbox today. So we were both gone last week. We're getting back at it and uh, making some more podcasts, but it was good to be out for a little bit. Yeah, it was. we took the week of after Easter off and, and did some exploring. Uh, my family, we went down to Texas. Yeah, what'd you do? Went down to, we were in Arlington for a little while, okay. went to Austin, ended up in San Antonio. Did you see the Alamo? I did see the Alamo. So I saw the Alamo a few years ago and it's, it's pretty underwhelming, actually. What kind of monster are you? What's wrong with you? It's the Alamo. Don't you remember the Alamo? I don't remember the Alamo. <laughs> I forgot all Clearly about Clearly you don't remember because it, it was amazing. <laughs> no, San Antonio was really cool and uh, just really enjoyed some some downtime away with my family. What about you? Nice. Um, I just kind of hung out around Minnesota and uh, slept in a lot, which was really good. I haven't done that in quite a while. Slept in a lot, had some coffee. That's about it. Yeah. That's good. Good stuff. Watched some TV, got caught up on all the Netflix. So we're in good shape. All the Netflix. Yeah. So now it's back to the real world, huh? Uh, I mean, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Post of the fake one. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, I can't, we've been talking about the real world for for a while now as a a topic for the show. And every time I talk about it, I can't do it without thinking about MTV and the real world on MTV. You know, I, I hardly ever watched much of that. You know, I, I used to watch it back in the day, but and do you know this? It's still it's still on. I don't understand how the show could possibly still be going. I looked it up. It's in its 32nd season. That's insane. 32 season. That I, means you had like more than one a year too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I used to watch it and think, you know what? That's some kind of real world. I mean, live in a multi-million dollar house in a destination location where you don't really have to work. Your food is provided and you get to hang out all day. It's a good life. It's a good life. Of course, the idea, whether it's true or even ever truly realized, is to show people how how they really are unscripted and in real situations. But of course, that reality, it's no less real than mine or yours. The situation is different. Yeah, you know, when I think about the real world, I think it was maybe my uh, senior year of high school or something. I think I was in, in calculus and uh, I had an awesome teacher, but, you know, his, his whole thing, we, we had these 
fancy graphing calculators, of course. Of course. <laughs> and, of course. Uh, and I, I'm just impressed that you were in calculus. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing in that class? <laughs> Me too. I still wonder. <laughs> um, but no, I uh, had this great teacher, but his, his whole thing was, you know, you're not always going to have a calculator in your pocket. Mm. Um, but I just look in my pocket and I look at my cell phone and think. You, you got one. I, I do, actually. Why was he lying to you? That's <laughs> why I never took calculus. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was in middle school and then, you know, there would be people saying, you just wait till you get to high school because they're not going to take that there. And then I get to high school and they say the same thing about college. And then I'd be in college and you just wait till you get to the real world. And then like, wait till you get married, which I did, then have kids. <laughs> then I'm spending my whole life waiting and I'm not, not really sure what, but I'm pretty sure the real world, I'll get there eventually. Uh, just not sure when. Well, right. I mean, it's something that always bothered me. It's it's like the teacher equivalent of, I'll tell you when you're older. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't get me wrong. Adults are right about a lot of these things. And the work of teachers in helping kids learn and, and all the things that we go through when we're growing up, they're super important. But sometimes I think what you were getting to, the reality is that the whole time you were in the real world, there wasn't anything to wait for. Yeah, okay. But I can get why adults, myself included sometimes, look at the perspective of younger people and think, Oh, they'll eventually learn. Someday they'll know how the world works. I mean, there are a lot of things I've learned as I've gotten older that I didn't know before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's lots of lots of things that we learn over time. Um, and not just that we didn't know, but that we couldn't have known before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we're getting at is that too often adults just kind of refuse to listen to a younger perspective. And it actually hurts our larger conversation. We miss things. Yeah, because... Their perspective is valuable too. The younger perspective is so valuable. And I see this alive and well when I think about the student activists from Parkland High School in in Florida. Their voices are crucial. And yet jaded, oftentimes older people are trying to squelch their voices. These kids, they're full of idealism, hope for change, and they're demanding to be heard. But so many are commenting on that these kids, they just want to get out of school. News pundits are tearing them apart. The kids are being told nothing will change. New policies won't fix the problem anyway. But even in spite of this, these, I mean, these kids have responded with intense clarity to the problem at hand. I mean, kids were shot and killed in their school. And, and the thing is that, that these particular students, they aren't willing to allow the idea even into their brains that it can't get better. And they aren't willing to believe that nothing can be done. You know, of course, the same old arguments for why this happened have been trotted out, often in condescending ways in, in the face of their grief. Yeah, and I think, I mean, whether or not any of the perspectives are valid, what's happening here is that there's actually kind of two real worlds, I guess, to use our topic mm-hmm. for the day, uh, that are colliding. So these kids live in this world that in a lot of ways is really scary and threatening and, and dangerous, but they don't believe that it has to be that way. But others, sometimes on the other side of the argument, they can't see how to change or what change to make. And so they feel stuck or they don't think that change could even help. Um, But in this case, you know, the kids, and not just from Florida, but all over the country called BS and suddenly we've got a conversation. We're talking about it. Yeah. You know, and think about it. The kids who have grown up in this reality are finally old enough to articulate their world in clear and certain terms. And now I think we can begin to see what kind of real world we collectively will choose as we live in, uh, as we live as a society. Yeah. And one of the interesting things to me uh, is that these kids, they actually come out of a long tradition of young people who have helped to drive social change. I think it's actually often younger people who can make the most difference. Think about the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
I think looking back, we have kind of some strange perspectives, but Martin Luther King Jr. was 26 years old during the Montgomery bus boycott. And John Lewis was only 20 years old when he was a freedom writer in the, in the civil rights movement. I mean, these, these civil rights leaders were young idealists. And even though the work isn't done, they changed the world. Yeah. You know, and then you think about human rights. Malala Yousafzai, and she, Malala was, uh, has been a hero for, for my daughters over the years. And she was a teenager when she stood up against the Taliban and was shot in the head and survived and has become a global advocate for human rights, especially the rights of women and girls. She won the Nobel Peace Prize by age 17. Chris, yeah. what have you done with your life? <laughs> Not. <laughs> I mean, if you count hosting this podcast, we've maybe got like two or three things that we could talk about, but yeah. probably yeah. none. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I just think about, I'm, I, I mean, we're kind of regardless of, of what you might think about any of the issues of our day or how we could move forward or change them or make them better. I just can't help but think, what if someone had told these young people just wait until you grow up and see how the world actually works. You'll understand. And what if they listened? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine what kinds of challenges we could still be dealing with. Absolutely. And these teens from, from Parkland, Florida are doing it now. And following this proud tradition of young people accused of being idealists working for positive change. You know, so it all begs the question, does the whole thing get beaten out of us as we get older? Is the idea of wait till you grow up and get into the real world a way of maintaining power and control? Yeah, I mean, I think it absolutely is. And, and I think most interesting to me, I, I think it really does get, get beaten out of us a bit. Mm. There's, um, there's lots of decisions that we keep collectively making because frankly, they're kind of working for some people. Um, and sometimes things that we maybe even used to think were a little nuts they start working for us because maybe we right. fall into the same patterns and routines. And so it takes that uh, shift of perspective for something to really happen. Um, but in those cases where we fall into that same rut, um, maybe we've lost the energy or, or the perspective to change it for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And as we're talking about this, I mean, I think it's really easy for us to center this conversation around age, but I don't think that's really what this is about. I think right. when we're talking about the real world, we're talking about how we can see our influence in it. Um, aside from how old you are. But with the people who do make lasting change, they all see something else that's possible. It's that ability to see it, I think, that's important. From social changes of kids in Parkland or the civil rights leaders to, I mean, even like engineers at Tesla or Apple building and designing new technology, the core here is this understanding that we could live differently. There's a vision there. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you think about it, it makes sense because not much stays the same over the over time and over our lives anyway. Our reality is always ch changing based on our experiences. And it's, I don't know how we can do anything except for take it one day at a time. Yeah. You know, I, I think about when my, my girls were two, maybe three years old, when they were little, uh, a couple of things occurred to me. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> like I, I was completely clueless. I'm glad at some point you learned. I didn't. I'm still clueless. I'm still, I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's amazing that two things occurred to me. Uh, but no, I, I had no idea what I was doing. But then it occurred to me that my parents didn't either. Uh, they were yeah. totally bluffing. Uh, they were making, the, making it up the whole time. And, and so was I. And, so, and I, I continue to do that. We, the thing is that we do the thing that makes sense. And when we do the thing that makes sense, then we do the next thing. 
And if it doesn't make sense anymore, well, then we try a new thing. And we realize there isn't a manual for life. There wasn't a, a manual for my kids. There's yeah. not a manual for life. We are on the biggest improv stage of all time. The rules of improv are the rules of life. It's, it's yes and. I love that. And when you when you realize that life changes, I think you know you can do thing. You can do two things. Uh, you can either learn to go with it and maybe try to influence it to be better. Uh, to say yes and kind of follow those mm-hmm. improv rules right. in a way. Um, or on the other hand, which uh, I think is maybe the the choice that I I hope I can can avoid is is pretend it doesn't change and just close yourself off to new possibilities. I think you can miss a whole opportunity of of life and experience that you know, you otherwise would have had access yeah. to this, this whole thing. Um, I, I really love this quote, but it, it makes me think about my favorite Steve jobs quote. And, uh, and he said this, he said, when you grow up, you tend to get told the world is the way that it is. And your life is just to live your life inside the world. Try not to bash into the walls too much. Try to have a nice family, have fun, save a little money. That's a very limited life. Life can be much broader. Once you discover one simple fact, everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you and you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. Once you learn that, you'll never be the same again. And I, I just love that quote because I think so much of this is just being able to, like we, like we said earlier, get outside of our own perspective and, and have a vision that's maybe different. Um, sometimes we're afraid of change or we, we don't think it's possible because of what we've seen in our corner of the world. Sure. We can't have that vision. But if we try hard enough and we can think about something differently, I, I think we can make it exist differently. But people often, you know, just they, they call that idealism or it's a utopia as if it can never be possible. But I don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's where it ends. Yeah, yeah. You know, when we see things differently and we want to make a change, we often hear that response. Mm-hmm. You know, the world's not perfect. You can't always get what you want. Uh, you'll never live in some kind of idyllic utopia. <laughs> but why wouldn't we work for it? Yeah. And why wouldn't we do that? Think about it. When it comes to grades in school, who actually says, all right, aim for a C? <laughs> like, nobody says this. Even though I don't understand chemistry and I never would, uh, I'd shoot for an A. It wasn't really yeah, ever right. a reality, but right. uh, but aim for that A, see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if, if you're struggling in a class and, and you want to improve, mm-hmm. you might aim for a C. But if you're an honor roll student, shooting, shooting for a C plus is not a thing you do, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, the, thing, the thing that kills me about this idea is that, is that for some reason, the religious narrative is kind of like that in some mm-hmm. places. Um, sometimes in religious circles, there's this like stain, strange reluctance not to take it seriously, um, especially when it might challenge someone's habit or preference. I just, I hear this all the time, but I've, I've heard things like, you know, I wish we could be nonviolent, but that's just not the way the world works. <laughs> it, well, Jesus was just an idealist. Yeah, really right. I mean, that. you can just like, the, like this episode writes itself in some ways, right. but um, it's this weird thing where it seems like people sometimes just give up as opposed to trying to figure out how to make it work and trying to, yeah. to get closer to the thing. Um, kind of a story that I have about that one time I was, so I was working in a previous church. It wasn't too long before I moved to Minnesota and we were having this, this gathering for a staff member who was leaving for a new job. And before everyone got into the room, there were a few other staff members. There were a few of us just kind of hanging out. Um, and some of the other staff members were having a conversation about, about caring for the environment. And one person was, one person said how important it was that you know, we're really careful with our natural resources and they, they express their concern for the issue of climate change and just environmental mm-hmm. things. And um, another person responded and said, no, I don't really worry about that because 
Jesus will come back before it gets too bad. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. And then that that actually happened. That actually happened. I didn't work there much longer. (laughs) It wasn't because of that, but uh, um, no, but I mean, honestly, I was, I was stunned. Mm -hmm. I I mean, for, for me, there's, there's this idea of, of being created to be creative. And in our tradition, you know, we talk about joining the work that God's doing. Right. Right. Um, But here's the thing. I don't believe that that kind of God would be content with us just like refusing to make things better or just kind of living with a status quo. Right. Like, Aside from the the weird escapism of that statement, I can't help but wonder, especially for those of us that are kind of trying to make sense of religion and faith, why wouldn't we want to care for our resources, even if they were unlimited? Yeah. You know, I've seen this in my experience in church circles, but also other kinds of communities and groups too. I hear the phrase, well, we've never done it like that before. <laughs> and she usually said exactly like it's, that. It's exactly we've like never that. done it like that before. And it's always said with this incredulous, judgy kind of vibe going on. Yeah. Like the thing that you've just said or done or suggested is so far afield that it's doomed to failure. As if failure, first of all, as if failure is a thing to be avoided at all costs, or that if it actually worked, the time-space continuum, as we know it, will cease to exist. <laughs> oh, it worked. <laughs> oh, you know, that, that fear of failing, I think uh, it's, it's so prevalent it, and it can drive so many of our decisions. But, but really one of the best ways to learn and grow is to try something and fail. Um, it actually, it makes me think about this song from, from Cloud Cult. And my, mm-hmm. many of you might know that band, but uh, the song ends like this. You're no good to the living if you're too afraid to bleed. And that's why your show starts now. So don't be afraid to try. Get out of your brain and explore. It doesn't make sense for us to just give up. It matters how we live now, and we have some power to influence it. We just got done celebrating Easter, and once you clear away all the trappings and clutter of egg hunts and spiral-cut hams and Easter baskets and the rest, you get to the core message. There is new life. Death. It doesn't get the last word. There is new life. The past is not our potential. Our future has been liberated. And we don't have to keep living the same story over and over and over again. If there's a change needed, take a step. If there's something missing, start a search. If there's a conversation to be had, raise your voice. The way things are now, that doesn't have to be the way things always will be. Because there is only one real world and you are in it. And there is new life. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. To stay up to date with all of the things that are going on in the Sandbox, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. And if you have an extra minute or two, you know what would really help us out if you rate and review us on iTunes. It helps others to discover our work and builds an online community. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think about the podcast. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it. There's always more room in the sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox. 